welcome back to our podcast, Two Yoke Girls. And we're here today with one of our favorite people who also is a long time. Oh, I wanted to look up how many classes you've taken at LPY. It's a ton and it's even more than is on her record because she comes in about five minutes late for every class and charges in. <laughs> Just She's like my me. people. Yep. Yeah, exactly. She's our people. Um, charges in, puts her mat down and does what she needs to do, which is exactly what we want everybody at LPY to do. Um, and we wanted to use this podcast and many of our podcasts to talk about people from our community because we really do have this super inspirational community um, that feels like so much bigger than the walls of our studio. Uh, and that's, that's one of the best things about, about LPY. So Shannon is um, a longtime LPYer. She is a Lexington, Massachusetts resident. She has a story of life that is just uh, intertwining and interesting and keeps getting bigger and better and, and and all it, of the things. It's like multiple lives in yes. one life, I think, Yes. Shan. yes. And a cat I, of humans here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we feel like she has some, some things that she does in her life that can help everybody. Um, so Shan, say hi. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. It's so mm. good to see you both. Yeah, it's nice <laughs> to have you. Two yoke girls. <laughs> <laughs> Shan told me we have to do a podcast explaining yoke to yoke girls, which is a great suggestion. Shan has uh, about a million ideas that run through her head. She's an entrepreneur um, in life. So uh, I will take that suggestion. We will we'll run with it. But for this podcast, we want to start by talking, and Lo, feel free to jump in anytime, yeah. um, about what brought you to yoga. It's mm, a great question. Oh, I don't, you're probably too young to know that family circle, you know, the little boy who like the mom I sends know him that for cartoon. bread and he like goes around and around and all these different places. That's how you do one thing is how you do everything. So <laughs> that's how I do everything. And I, for yoga, I mean, you opened up the studio in Lexington and um, I always wanted to do yoga. I don't know if it's because when I was younger, my mom went to one yoga class with my younger sister, Erin, and it was in like a church basement that was wet and dirty and gross, but she got into the local newspaper and mm. I was like, oh, I must have been so jealous. So I just thinking like I missed out and I always wanted to do yoga, but it took me a very long time. I took one class in Boston when, you know, I was a lawyer and the woman was 80 I'm not kidding. She was 80 and she was bending and twisting like a pretzel. And I was thinking, I have to do that. And then I forgot about it until <laughs> I moved to Lexington. I had kids and you, I'm not sure which year you opened the studio, but you opened up and I had gone to a studio in Cambridge, but it was an hour and a half and, you know, to get there and come back and you have little babies. And I did it a few times and I loved it, but it was just too much time out of the day. And then you came along and I, you know, I, I know Yolanda and it was just a beautiful place and uh, a couple of friends went. So I went a few times, you know, but I always wanted to do more. But like you said, I'm late for everything. However, I do get credit for the last few times I have been early <laughs> trying to work on that because it's so annoying. And I, you know, realize it's better to be early. 53 years into my life. <laughs> so, so You don't hate on the late. 
we don't know yeah. late. Oh, no. no, but it's just disruptive and it's not fair. And, and you get a good spot and you just get to settle in and it's better to mm. be early. So, you know, it doesn't always happen. But so anyway, you you know, I went a few times and I loved it and I wanted to do it, but I didn't get it. I, I really liked to run. I liked to do my boot camp. I liked to use up all my energy and it was like, hurry up and slow down. So mm. I didn't get it. Love I didn't that. get it. But I knew I saw all these people that were just so lovely and Zen and, you know, they loved it. So I wanted to love it, you know, just like Zumba, but like, I, I don't love Zumba and I'll never love Zumba because it's just not my thing, but I had to keep trying it to say that I, I, I had to understand why I didn't like it. Cause I have no yeah. rhythm, but yoga, I knew that it was bigger and it was more like whole body and, you know, you can do it forever. And I wanted to do it, but I just couldn't get there. And, um, you know, and, and, and I think I went to, you know, not even 30 classes. I counted on yours in my life before, um, you know, 2016. And, um, you know, after 2016, I decided to try it for 30 days. And I don't know if you want to interject here and talk, but I can, I can talk all day. (laughs) So I didn't understand yoga before that, but I wanted to, I knew I wanted to, there was something that I saw there and I felt there that I knew was good, but I just couldn't get there, you know? Mm, Yep. I think it's a perfect place to kind of pause a little bit and then think about that year that brought you to yoga and how it started to feel really real. And you're right, Shan. I think people can dance with various things and feel like, oh, it looks like everybody there loves it, but it's not speaking to me yet. And then something shifts and changes. And I think I have a little bit of a similar story with meditation. Something shift and change. Like I wanted to meditate. And then my feet were really held to the fire by life. And then it was like, oh, not only do I just want to meditate, I have to meditate. If I don't, I'm going to miss some key things that are coming right at me and about to smack me to the floor. Right. So sometimes it happens before we get that moment. Sometimes it happens after. So I think what we're starting to look at is that moment that that felt like I have to do yoga. It's not like, oh, people seem like they like it. Maybe I should try it. It's like, holy hell, I think this is exactly where I need to be for now. It's not easy. It's not going to be pretty, but here it is. Yeah. yeah. And can we talk a little bit about 2016 and Quinn and what kind of held your feet to the fire? Sure. Um, so I have three boys, Jack, Will and Quinn. And um, in 2015, my youngest son, Quinn, who was, you know, a life force, very colorful and happy and five feet tall and 100 mm-hmm. pounds in second grade, which is we had two <laughs> best friends and they were each 50 pounds. So he yep. used to like bench press them and stuff. So he was <laughs> enormous. He was very, very big and healthy and happy and Um, he was suddenly diagnosed with a very, um, uh, fatal type of pediatric cancer, uh, alveolar rhabdomyosarcoma, which is the longest word I never, ever wanted to know. Mm. Um, and it was, it was, a you know, stage four when he, we, he was diagnosed and we knew, um, when he got it, that his chances of living throughout a year was, uh, less than 5%. So it was big and it was a a massive, um, you know, hit to him and his brothers and our family and our community. And um, he, um, you know, uh, he he got treatment at the Children's Hospital and the Jimmy Fund. They were amazing, incredible place. And uh, a couple of days into his treatment, he had a catastrophic response 
to his chemotherapy called tumor lysis. So he ended up on the, in the ICU um, on Marathon Monday. He had a cardiac arrest multiple times and CPR and um, life-saving techniques all day. And they put him on a ventilator. He had um, you know, the anointing of the sick, which people might know as mm. the last rites. And he um, uh, was put on a life-saving machine called ECMO, which does the work of your heart and lungs outside of your body to give his body a break. And, you know, he was in the ICU for a month. He pulled through from that and had to rebuild. And he lived in the hospital for a month uh, at Children's and then over at Spalding Rehab. And at Children's, he, um, you know, we lived there. That was our home. Like we, we didn't leave, you know, and they have a child life therapy department. And um, One Mission is a group that does a lot for Children's and they have different services. And one time my yoga instructor came in, she was mm -hmm. any one of us, you know, that the, and she went in and she taught yoga to the parents or even to the kids. And it was just a couple of us in the child life therapy room. I got uh, someone to watch Quinn while I went in and it was a very gentle yoga. It was almost like a stretch. And, you know, when you're sleeping in a chair or, mm -hmm. you know, that level of stress for so long, it, it really felt good. And I, you know, had the yoga mat and, um, it, it was just a wonderful experience and I knew that yoga was good, but there was no time to do yoga. You know, that year I was super busy and, um, unfortunately Quinn died July 3rd, 2016. Um, you know, we miss him every day and we honor him in so many ways and, you know, life changes, you know, the, the, you know, he died on July 3rd, it's 4th of July weekend, there are fireworks in the sky. And, you know, we had his wake and his funeral. And um, the day after his funeral, um, you know, he wasn't physically here. And my son, Jack turned 16. So, you know, Jack's my child, Will's my child, Quinn's my child, you can't not celebrate a birthday for your mm -hmm. son. And Jack wanted to get his permit. So I was like, I can't, like mentally, I was like, how do I do that? I just lost a child. Do I go out and do that? And I'm like, he's my child. I have to do this. So I, mm. I don't know what force brought me to get into the car and drive. And we went to the registry of motor vehicles and he got his permit. And then he, he, you know, it was a joyful thing. You have to celebrate. And, you know, you're kind of like, I used to have a bumper sticker in law school on my desk. It said, fake it till you make it. And I was like, I am totally fake. I'm calling this in, but I am pretending I couldn't get an Academy Award for this performance, you know, because I was yeah. so dead inside. But I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so great. And so Jack said, can I drive home? <laughs> and I was like, uh, it, you know, I was like, OK, like, I don't, I'm pretty sure I had a death wish myself because <laughs> that a child who has never been behind anything but a go-kart get in the car. Mm -hmm. and, he, and he wanted to get a pair of sneakers at the Galleria in Cambridge, which was on Memorial Drive. So I said, uh, he said, all right, I'll go drive to get my sneakers. And meanwhile, I'm like, I have trouble driving on Memorial <laughs> Drive after like 40 years of a license. So I said, why don't we just drive around Watertown for a little bit? And he, he, I didn't even put the foot on my brake on my side as a passenger. I just let him go. And he was a really good driver. I didn't have to say anything. So we drove to Memorial Drive, drove to Cambridge. We went into the parking lot. He parked and he just drove. And I never said a word. And I was literally in an out-of-body experience thinking, mm -hmm. why am I not freaking out? My babe, like my firstborn is driving this car. And, but it was fine and it was good. And it was actually, 
um, probably a healing thing for me because mm. that was the first thing we had to do. And then we had to, you know, take Jack out for his birthday that night for, um, for you know, he wanted to go to Friday's, his favorite restaurant. And the first time you check into a restaurant and you're not five anymore, you're four. But um, we, Jack had a girlfriend mm. at the time. So he was there. She was there. She was there, Elizabeth. And she, um, so we had five people. So there was a spot filled for five, but it wasn't Quinn and it was different. But we celebrated Jack. And, you know, and then the next day was, I think the next day was Saturday. And I woke up and I'm like, you know, I have to exercise. I can't just not exercise. So I went to a gym and I went to a gym that nobody knew me. And I took a boot camp class and I was oblivious to, I mean, everyone is oblivious. Nobody knew who I was. Nobody asked me any questions. I didn't talk to anyone. I had a really good workout. And I was so grateful for that instructor that she didn't say anything to me, that nobody talked to me, that, um, you know, I, I just was myself, just me there. And I got through it and it was good for me. And then I knew I, you know, so, so over the course of the next few months, you know, it wasn't just Quinn, uh, you know, at that time, my dad had died 30 days before Quinn. So it was that, that we were dealing with and Quinn and then, you know, the kids and my husband left in September. So that, that wasn't a tragedy that was pretty much planned before Quinn got sick, but it was still an adjustment. And it was like, as soon as Je my ex-husband left the door, my oldest was like the exorcist. He turned around and became someone new. Mm -hmm. And I, he just reacted in a way that wasn't himself. And I was dealing with that. And I'm like, I, finally, I could breathe for a minute. And then I couldn't. So I was dealing mm -hmm. with that. And then um, that's September and October and November, I... I, I don't know what it was, but I actually, I think I was allergic to green peppers. So all of a sudden I got violently ill, violently ill overnight and I had green peppers. So I'll just attribute it to that. And I, I was, you know how you're sick and you're just so weak. And I finally cried and I was like, mm. oh, here it is. I'm like, I'm so weak because I'm, you know, exhausted and sick and dehydrated. And I cried and I was like, oh, all right, here it is but I'm by myself now. The kids are at school. So I, I, I was so dehydrated. I'm like, I need ginger ale. It's like, you know, so I walked, I drove to the corner store and my sister called me and she said, um, she called me and she texted me and she doesn't usually call in the morning. So I was like, what is going on? But I was ignoring her because I'm still crying, trying to buy my ginger ale at the store in saltines. And um, I just ignored her. And she basically sends me a 911, you know, text and I called and she said, can you go get mom? Um, they sent her from her mammogram in Revere MGH to Boston because, you know, they found something. I was like, I really can't. I'm like, and I went to go say it. And she said, I can't go because I had a biopsy yesterday on my breast and I missed work. So I can't miss work another day. I'm like, okay, I'll go. <laughs> so I left and I met my mom at Mass General. Now, meanwhile, I'm like, my oldest sister just had a biopsy and they don't take things out of your body when they're not worried about them. And my mom, who's a survivor of breast cancer from she had it when she was 48. So it was probably 30 years later. Um, so no, it was not 30, 25 years later. So she, I met her in Boston and I pulled myself together. And the first time my mom was diagnosed with cancer, 
I was had the task of driving her home. She just was going in to get a biopsy, which I didn't know about. I was a younger person. And um, they told her right then and there that she had cancer. And I all I had to do was drive her home. But I was crying so much. I mm. couldn't function because I thought my mom was going to die. And I do you know there were no pink ribbons. We didn't know back then about breast cancer and survival. And I, I she was we were driving home and she said, Shannon, I'm going to survive this breast cancer, but we will not survive this ride home unless you stop crying. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll stop crying. So I, and I always felt so terrible that I cried. And I just, for my whole life, I felt so terrible that I responded that way. As an adult, I know if my, I had a, a tough diagnosis, my kids would be upset and it would be okay. Like I would comfort them. And she probably, she did. That's what she did. She used humor. But in any event, my mom had breast cancer it's the week before Thanksgiving and now I'm waiting for my sister's results that she could have potentially breast cancer so um you know stop the tears and I was not going to ever cry again when someone had cancer because I was going to be responsible for taking care of them so thank by the grace of God Kelly my sister was fine and she did not have a problem but my mom had to have surgery and she she just celebrated her 80th birthday so that's a happy ending but she moved into my house Mm -hmm. and um for several months and she we took care of her but it was like I didn't get to grieve yet I was still like you're you're always putting out fires I have six you know five siblings there's always a fire to put out you have kids there's always something you don't get a break just because you had a tragedy and so Shan this was all 2016 like all this kind of short span from July to now we're in November yep so it's the week before Thanksgiving and then my kids went their dad took them to another state for Thanksgiving from Tuesday to Sunday and I had I grew up with eight people like in my house I had my kids my whole life I don't think I've ever stayed in a house by myself (laughs) and now all of a sudden I'm by myself without my children on a holiday with Mm -hmm. my mom who now has cancer so my mom wasn't living with me yet so I I was driving to my sister's you know crying crying thinking like how am I going to get through this day I don't even I just want I don't want to be with anyone I want to be with my kids I want to go piggyback on them and go with them but I couldn't So we got through Thanksgiving and I have a dear friend, Jennifer, who um, uh, we went away with. We went, you know, the day after Thanksgiving, she didn't have her kids for the weekend. She's like, let's go away. So we went to- And this is Shan, is this Jen Bellis? Jennifer Bellis, yes. Yep, I teach Jen Bellis, yes. Who Quinn actually found for me as a friend. He followed her all around preschool, but that's a story for another day. That's fantastic. (laughs) I know that story. follow her. So um, we went away and we had fun and- you know, I, we went out one night, I'm pretty sure we were hung over the next day a little bit, like not a bad hangover, but we went to brunch and you can't go to brunch without getting eggs Benedict. So I got eggs Benedict, home fries and mimosa or something. And then we saw a Bikram yoga studio and Bikram's different than your studio. It's like a thousand degrees and 40% humidity. <laughs> it's 105 degrees, 90 minutes. So we went, we went in and I, I don't know if I've ever, I had ever done Bikram at that time. But we went in and it smelled like dirty feet. So I have a very big, strong, superpower sense of smell. And I I said to Jennifer, I might not go in. I don't know if I can take it. And I didn't have my essential oils or anything that I now have with me in case of a stinky footed person. (laughs) But um, so we went in and 
you know, it was, it was really nice. The teacher had a, a personality and she was fun and it was unusual because Bikram is very structured and they usually say the same thing no matter where you go, but she had a few quips in there. And I, you know, after a little while, it's, you're sweating, it's hot. And at the end of it, I said, oh, you know, why don't we do like 30 days of yoga? And I didn't realize it until this weekend. I asked Jennifer about our our story. And she said, yeah, there was a sign on the wall that said, what would 30 days of yoga do for you? And I said, I don't even remember that. But so anyway, we decided to do 30 days of yoga. So um, she had already been doing yoga. She loved it. And I, you know, committed in my mind in the middle of that, you know, 105 degree class to do it. <laughs> and so I think it was a deal with the devil. Like if I survive this, I'll do it for 30 days just to make up for it or something. <laughs> right. So, so I said, um, so we, so we started and, you know, LPY was there and you had so many great classes and so many different teachers and, you know, every day we, you know, kind of high-fived each other through texts and um, people started kind of not joining us, but but they were enjoying it and you all were so supportive and having fun. And we had so many funny experiences during the 30 days, but five days in, I said to myself, wow, I know why people do yoga. I, mm. I, 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 the first day was a struggle for sure. The second, third, fourth, totally struggle. And then it was just on day five. I said, wow, I, I get it. I actually get it. I actually was like on my mat. I wasn't paying attention to the people around me. I was, you know, there and looking forward to it. And it just felt good. And when I look back at the pictures of that time, I just looked so like stress-free. I really, it was a transformation even looking at the pictures and um, it was really so much fun. So it got me through Thanksgiving to Christmas. It was 30 days and then I continued through New Year's. So it was good, but yeah. it was, you know, that, that began the yoga journey for me and I loved it so much. And mm. you've done it, um, those, that 30 day challenge now, just about every year since then. Right. And yeah. so what I love is you have, you're a natural born marketer and <laughs> idea creator because you, every single class you guys high five, you take pictures with the teacher. Like if I had a hundred of you doing my social media, I think <laughs> we'd have many followers more than we have. Um, but it, the, you can see, like you said, the joy and the fun that comes out of it. I think that there's, there's no, it doesn't seem to feel like something stressful. It seems like a place where you get to go and see people, um, and have fun. And then the, there's another kind of aspect to your 30 days that you do. Um, cause I think you, you really, what I find kind of inspirational about it is that um, and I think you don't even like to see or talk about yourself as inspirational, but when you work through a life that has been lived and really lived in that 2016 year, really hard. I mean, that's a really hard year that not a lot of people get packed into one year, frankly. Mm -hmm. um, and you keep going and you find strategies to not just cope, but thrive. And I think that's what you've done. You have this amazing faith, you have this amazing laughter and um, this amazing willingness to reach out and help people. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think this 30 day thing that you've created yourself um, is really kind of a little bit of your secret sauce. And so what else during those 30 days are you trying to do? 
well, I give you all credit because that secret sauce was made with the love and kindness and generosity of all of you. I mean, I may have been that frog in the boiling water fable, you know, through 2016 and, you know, you're in it, so you're not scorched, but you get used to the boiling water, Mm -hmm. but it was the reverse. Like we, I went to LPY and I was on fire, you know, and I was like slowly, slowly, like with all your kindness and gentleness and just, just the beauty that was around me when you didn't know me and you didn't really know my story and you didn't know why I was there or you just supported me and you, nobody talked about anything but yoga during that time, mm. even the instructors, they didn't really bring in their their political you know views or their children or their you know drive to work where they got a ticket or like anything they were just there and present and it was just beautiful and it was you know when the student is ready the teacher will come Mm -hmm. and you were all the teachers and it was it was like the slow removal from the boiling water it has to be an opposite metaphor I can't pull it up right now because I just thought of it but it was like you know it was like going into a warm bath and finally relaxing but it was so beautiful and tepid water nothing no one was on fire even though there there's always going to be a fire you're not Mm. immune from tragedy or illness or anything um so you know I, I think you know, you learn over the years what works and what doesn't. And, um, you know, my younger sister, Helene, unfortunately, um, died during Christmas. She died on December 15th in 2012. And um, the next year, my sisters and I were not cranky people, but we were cranky. (laughs) Like we Mm -hmm. were, you know, and on Christmas Eve, we kind of said to each other, what is wrong with us? Like, we're just like, you know, like, you know, rhymes with witches, but I said, like, I, I didn't, we didn't know, we didn't get it. We didn't have experience with grief or like that time of year or anything. And that I realized like everything was in our bodies and in our world. Like we were calling up what happened last year. And every year when the Christmas cows come, it just like, it, it just, it's like a, you know, a dart is thrown at me. So I know that Christmas is tough, you know, but you have children and Christmas is about the kids and, you know, you do it, you just get through it and it, it's just challenging. So, you know, this year, uh, this is the first year I'm not going to be with any of my children. They're going to their father's house in Florida um, for Christmas from their colleges in California. So I am totally pre-gaming this holiday season. I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to do. I'm going to need to like move into LPY. <laughs> so in addition to, um, you know, during that challenge, I, you know, I think I was just hallucinating or something in Bikram. I said, all right, I'm going to eat clean. I'm not going to drink. I'm going to do yoga. And so Jennifer signed up to the yoga, nothing else. <laughs> but she said, I yes. said, and I did that. So I, I did that. And I, you know, it was a real authentic experience. It was just me and no cookies and no Chardonnay and yoga. And, you know, that's what, if, you know, it was, it was great. It was wonderful. And it was a tough time and I got through it and you just have to keep going. So I, I like to do that because it's just a reset, you know? Um, so, so I add in like the clean eating and, um, you know, no alcohol, which, you know, that's party season with the holidays and everything. But for me, you know, if you put sparkling water with a couple of pomegranates or cranberries in a a glass, it's festive enough, you know, it's fine and it doesn't really matter. And it, it just feels good. And for me, new year's is just great. Like a new year, Mm -hmm. a new beginning. 
And what I love about this, Shannon, is it's the idea of when you see something coming down the pike, which I think we try and talk about, is you take even better care of yourself. So like you said, when you were talking about your sister, Helene, the idea of knowing that it's coming and that your body will remember what happened, um, same thing right around the anniversary of Quinn, your body will remember the the stuff that it had to go through and had to even push down in order to cope. So now you're creating the space where you're eating well, drinking more water, doing more yoga, maybe even connecting with more people and feeling like, oh yeah, it's coming. I know it's coming and I'm going to prep. You know, it's right. like preparing for a storm. Luckily, mm -hmm. we can see certain things approaching. And I think with certain dates or certain times of year or certain anniversaries, it's so wise. And it's almost probably some otherworldly wisdom the way it came to you. But when you can prep to take care of yourself in the best possible way, it sets you up to get through all the rockiness of the storm that's approaching. Yeah, yeah I think sometimes... Um, like gratitude and positive psychology, um, they, it gets a bad rap as this, like, um, I don't know, toxic positivity, toxic positivity. Exactly. Which it can certainly be. And I think it marketed it, it, it can go there easily, but there, if you think about it, and I think this, it, the gratitude adjustment was born out of your need to buckle down because you knew that the death of your mother was coming, Lorraine. Mm. Um, and this challenge here was born out of kind of the aftermath. I think so many of us um, have tragedy, you know, are in the boiling pot, are, are, are on fire before we realize, oh, wait, I need to shift something. And uh, I think Lorraine had the foresight to see that I was, she was going to need to shift it. And so these things are real tools to deal with kind of the mud of life, not mm -hmm. just like to make you happier, to make things better, to like skate on the surface of life. It's not that it's to like really dig deep so that you can continue to live a life that is full and you're there for your other kids. You're there for yourself. Um, you're there for our community. And so I think it's just really this thing that people don't give themselves enough credit for mm. just that simple taking care of their body and their mind. I would add in sleep. Are you a good sleeper, yes. Shan? Oh my gosh. I have famously fallen asleep standing up. I fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I could fall asleep anywhere. I have a very yes. clean conscience. Oh gosh, I totally do. Yes. 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 I so fell good. asleep once at a red light. I thank God I survived. I, you know, <laughs> It was nine o'clock at night. Thank God no one was around. It was terrible. Oh so I, I really do have trouble staying awake, actually. But anyway, I should probably nap if that would probably be a good, you know, reason to nap. But I don't. So no, thankfully. And it's important when you get a really good eight hours of sleep, you know, it's you just feel wonderful or whatever hours you need. But uh, the other thing about, you know, this time of year, people make resolutions on New Year's and it's like, oh, I'm going to change my life tomorrow because it's January 1st. But for me, I like, you know, backtracking it and pre-gaming it a little, you know, it's kind of like the, you know, what do you call it? Tailgating, you know, like you're just basically yeah. getting ready for 
the big game. Like the big game is January 1st, but you have the, you have to live every day. Why put off till January 1st? What will make you feel good now? And, you know, you might fit into your Christmas clothes better or you'll just get, you know, it's chaotic in the Christmas holiday. People, you know, it's stressful, even though it shouldn't be, it's just should be a joyous, beautiful holiday. It's a lot of like traveling and wrapping and buying and all of the stuff that really is not as important as just being present. You know, that's the present we give ourselves for the holidays is taking care of ourselves. So we are there for our family. And, you know, I, um, it, it, yoga really is a gift because, um, you know, I flew out to California a couple of times these last, this last month for things that I had to deal with. And I was, you know, it was stressful and there was a yoga studio there and I went every day, you know, I'm out there by myself. My kids are out there, but I was out there by myself and I, I went to yoga every day and it, it, it just grounded me and it centered me, even though it was a different place. I didn't know a soul in the studio. It was the same movements and on the mat. And I felt, it felt familiar and it felt good. And it wasn't just me doing it in my hotel room by myself. It really, it, you know, it was the yoking of the community and just, just the greeting at the door and, you know, the, the positivity in the room. And um, it was just wonderful. And I'm just so grateful to you both and to your studio and all your teachers who are incredible. I've never had a bad experience at LPY. So thank you well, very much. I want to out you a little. <laughs> yeah, of course. I also want to out you a little bit, Shan. Um, there's some. There this is are not handful, a coming out party. <laughs> there are handful. That no, no, no. Coming out party. <laughs> there are a handful of remarkable things about your story. So looking at where you began with yoga, you have graduated from our 200-hour program, our 300-hour program. During graduation, we do a fundraiser weekend. And Jillian mentioned, you know, you don't often think of yourself as inspirational, which blows my mind when I think about your story and everything you've been through. But there is something that I think that you'll agree is so inspirational that maybe it's beyond you or beyond us or beyond even kind of worldly things. And the word that encompasses it is quinspiration. And it's so right there on the surface that our fundraiser, as we graduated from our 200 hour, you allowed all of us to be part of what is something so much bigger. And there's the Quinn bin. And it's just a life continuing to be lived um, in a way that we could never, ever, ever foresee or predict. And so I thank you for sharing the mission of Quinn and giving back through all that he went through at Children's, through the Jimmy Fund. Um, so I don't know if you want to explain a little bit about what the Quinn bin is or even the phrase Quinspiration. Oh, so I can do both. I'm happy to yeah. talk about my Quinn anytime. So uh, Quinn was in the hospital and he you know, like I said, we have a very big family. He has friends, his brothers have friends. They're all part of teams and people would send presents to him. And there's a local uh, toy shop, Catch a Falling Star, and, uh, you know, has a signature wrapping paper. So he got a lot of toys from there and a lot of other toys. And he got some duplicates and he said, well, you know, I don't, I don't need two Simon games or two whatever. He's like, I can't use both of them. Why don't you give them to the other kids on the floor? So we started giving away toys that he couldn't use or, you know, he had duplicates of. 
And then, um, you know, it started, it just, he just started collecting toys for the kids in the hospital. And then we had these bins in his room. We had bins, like there's a container store near the, uh, we should get paid for all these name drops that I do, like saltines, ginger ale, like Kleenex here. So so, um, we went to the container store and we had containers of all these toys and we would give them away. And, you know, he, he just said, oh, that's the Quinn bin, you know, and he created it. So he started it. and we continue it in his name and his two little best friends that are no longer little um, help and it's just a way to remind us of his giving spirit and I'm so happy to carry on and do this in his name and it's making a a woman that I um, used to have a a place down the Cape and she collected toys down the Cape and she she used the phrase giving joy with each new toy. And Mm. I just loved it. And it does, you know, when you're in the hospital and you're nervous and, you know, you all of a sudden have a new game or something to distract you It, you know, they use the games in the hospital for birthdays or graduations or last day of chemo, or, you know, if you're having a sad day, some of these kids don't have parents that can be in the hospital with them. I was very fortunate. I just, you know, shut off my whole life and that you know his dad was working very hard and keeping the lights on in the house and I was taking care of Quinn so I you know I was able to be there and if I wasn't there you know his dad slept over and if we weren't there he had a dear cousin Elena who was older and a babysitter and she would be there so he was never ever ever alone in the hospital but some kids are alone all day in the hospital and some Mm -hmm. kids come from different countries to get treatment there so you know those toys go a long way to bring joy and smile and distractions and you know and then it expanded yeah it um there's also um we we do road races so the Falmouth road race and the BAA half marathon we do and we raise money for um a fund at children's and a fund at um Dana-Farber for the kids we do we have a research fund and we have a pediatric patient assistance program that we support that sometimes you know when you have Mm -hmm. a child who's going through treatment it's a 24-7 thing and you the one of the parents has to lose their job or has to give up their job and they don't have the funds to pay the rent or the gas money or the you know tolls to get into Boston so that fund helps with those types of um, needs so we do a lot to support um, Quinn and the name Quinspiration actually came from I did my first half marathon I think it was 2017 I, I it could have been 2016, but 2000, I think it was 2017. I did my first half marathon for um, the Jimmy Fund and we um, were running, you know, I ran all the time and uh, practiced for it. And that day I ran with a friend who I had trained with and she was really struggling that day. And she, it was pouring rain out, freezing. I mean, and when I tell you the 27 people that did that half marathon with us, nobody complained. One of them practically got hypothermia. It was awful. So, um, but but it was fun too, you know, it's just a joyous occasion. So she's at mile it was probably mile 12 and she was not going to go on. She, she just was falling apart. And uh, Quinn's best friend, Timmy's mom had given me a bracelet with Quinn's signature. And I used to wear it wherever I went and I took it off of my arm and I put it, I took it off of my wrist and gave it to her. And it was as if I charged her battery and she started running and she said, Oh my gosh, that's Quinspiration. So, and it was just so beautiful. It was just, you know, otherworldly and she got through it and, you know, it, it, that's how Quinspiration was born. Mm. So I'm grateful for that event, those people that supported it, 
Ian was the one that, um, you know, said Quinspiration and she let me keep that name. So <laughs> it was just wonderful. So lots of good things are, you know, come out of a tragedy. We had a, um, my nephew who had stage four neuroblastoma. He was diagnosed when he was three. And I can remember even before knowing your full story, Shannon, having, um, he had finished his treatment. He was in the hospital for a really long time, like over a year, uh, maybe two years. And it was a really tough treatment, just like stuff that is just really hard to go through. And he made it and um, he got to do the march and he got to leave. And we were cleaning out the place that he was his mom was kind of living both places and there was toys from the Quinbin. And I was like, oh, it's oh got my the chills. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and, and even still to this day, like you can, well, it was probably a couple of years ago because of, you know, COVID, but there was still toys in his house from the Quinbin. And so oh. those things really mattered to him. They really did make a difference. And um, what I love, and we're, we're running out of time, but this is half Shannon's idea, and I'm going to say a quarter of my idea, and then Lorraine will give you a quarter, too. Um, <laughs> yep. Just because that makes the math work. Passive That's income, three yes. quarters, so we have three quarters of an idea. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. That's some fuzzy math. <laughs> I think we should, um, one, incorporate Catch a Falling Star because they're a local small business who is amazing, and two, the Quinbin. So this year, because of COVID um, and last year, the Children's Hospital isn't taking toys right but they are taking gift cards for oh, toys. definitely taking gift cards yes and um i think that you can directly send them but i can i can verify that so i can if you know if we have a follow-up or if we mm-hmm. post something we can find a way to get toys into the hands of children whether it be someone buy them for them or we get a gift card to catch a falling star or other places that would be great yeah yeah, so maybe we have a class, a fundraiser mm-hmm. class that maybe is taught by Shannon or co-taught by Shan. Oh, I'm gonna put you to the fire. <laughs> Shan, to the she fire. Yep. Oh. Those um... who can't teach do. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would be happy to do that. I I would, you know, that would be my inspiration to get mm. there and to actually teach. I've taken. 500 hours of training and haven't taught yet. So um, I'm going to do it one of these days. So I'll I'll do it. I'll do it. Sign me up. (laughs) Yeah. And we'll loop in our girl, Jen Vellis too. I'm sure she'd be happy to help or be part of that. Yes. She has never said no to me. So yeah. She's amazing. (laughs) Yep. That's great. Yeah. I I would love to do that. Thank you for that. That's really kind of you. I love it. It's exciting. There the is more to on the come. cake of this podcast. Thank you. Right? Surprise. <laughs> nice there is dessert. always, always more to come, but I'll stop us there. And I look forward to hearing more and sharing more and getting to the places where we need to go through all this work. So thank you, Shan, for being with us. Jill, thank you. And I will play us out with our same song that started all off. Mike Borgonzano. Thank you. Yeah, good work. <laughs> And thank uh, Mike. This is a great song. It's so good. It's called Be a Bee. And on Spotify, he is Mikey Bikes. And so here it is. Just a little, little bit of his work and creativity, too. If you really want to be a dream, but you can't be.